Welcome back to another episode of Somewhere Between, a podcast made by Asian adoptees for Asian adoptees. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of our T-series, short for The Engaged Adoptee. In this series, we will have discussions with adoptees who are, in any kind of way, engaged in the adoptee community. I'm Ace, and today I'm joined by Li Fang, the founder and director of Adoptipedia. Hello. Hi, and welcome. I'm super excited to have this uh, discussion with you today. Could you uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, of course. So normally I will go through life as Nikvi. I am 26 year old. And since that I found my parents in 2019, I am going through life as Li Fang. So a lot of people will know me as both of the persons. So um, I recently, um, like in preparation for this, um, for this discussion here today, I I read some some of your posts uh, that you uh, that you shared on on social media. So, um, in terms of your adoptee journey, uh, could you tell us more about that? I think you you mentioned you have mentioned that you recently just uh, I, I think it was in 2019 that you found your birth parents. So I think I'm at a point right now where I'm looking back and I'm seeing things I haven't seen before. So. It will maybe differ from other podcasts or maybe other articles that I wrote or that I got interviewed by. And I have to say, I know so little about adoption, like, let's say, pre-adoption. So the moment when you were put on a street or the sidewalk, then that feeling that you have, that, that missing out that you have, I have never experienced that, like, for real. Like, I've never exposed myself to that raw emotion that could come up. Um, and I'm just starting right now, actually, with a group therapy for adoption to get to know myself better when it comes to adoption itself. So for me, it was actually very, um, of course, it was a blessing, but it was also like maybe a little bit of a curse like that I already found my parents because I've never, ever imagined that it could be that soon. It even could be you know like um, I was always told it was so impossible and then in 2018 my mom got so sick I felt so alone I started my search in 2019 in the beginning and I found them within three weeks while I was just imagining before I found them like um, it will take maybe six to eight years or maybe never Um, and I was already planning with my boyfriend to go to China in the fall of 2019 to go with flyers you know like uh, hello, do you know me or does someone know me? Um, So for me, it came as a shock that I found them. And at first it was all like very bubbly and very amazing because it is amazing. It is such a a high, you know, like um, a lot of people won't experience it maybe. I don't think think that, but a lot of people think they won't experience it. I think with the technology right now, with the possibilities, with the parents who are more open to it, I think it's very much a real uh, option that a lot of p- people will find their parents. Um, but then again, uh, I still didn't think I would find them. And and um, I think I made the wrong like route. So I think it's a very good way to just focus on yourself, focus on your pre-adoption, focus on the feelings that you have. And then after that, you may figure out like, do I want more? 
Do I want to search for my roots? Do I want to visit my country? And then after that, maybe you will open yourself up to know more. Like maybe you find some siblings or maybe you find some cousin or, or nephew or, or maybe another family relative. And then maybe you will find your parents or your sisters or your brother. But for me, it came like in different times of my life. Like right now, I'm just getting ready to get to know myself better with the adoption. And it would be a very healthy way for me if I would just start with my search after I was ready with it, with, with this, because it is such a um, weird feeling right now, because I have never processed my emotions, my, my, my feelings and my, my sadness. But then again, I have felt so much joy with finding them, but I also feel still very empty in myself. And, and, and that emptiness is probably a feeling that I have to conquer still, uh, because once you get abandoned from your parents, it leaves such a big wound for maybe some of them. Some of us, it will be already a scar. But for me, it was still a wound till now. And then you have to process that. And when you process it and you find your parents, you can really feel. But right now I'm feeling very, very empty. And I need to process so many things. There's a lot of... Uh things you said there that made me want to ask so many questions um <laughs> <laughs> so which one to start with um yeah so i think maybe we can start with uh you mentioned that everything happened so fast and that you maybe uh wish that you were more ready before you found your birth parents so was it something that you just kind of expected that it would take more time? So you were kind of just putting it out there and then like, oh, I don't have to think about it too much more. So it wasn't really something that you had planned for a long time. It, do, I, do I understand that correctly? Very correctly, because of course, I know a lot of people around me who are searching for uh, maybe a lifetime, but are searching for a couple of months or years. Um, I was just very impulsive and very i felt very overwhelmed with all the emotions i felt with losing my mother in the near future that i thought okay there must be some family around here in the world because i was adopted um yeah exactly what you said i just put myself out there with a digital poster it's not like flyering or like putting yourself in the social media or, or media ad uh, in your province is is just um for me it felt like a um a good step to wait out like not that you wait it out literally but just to wait out like um well you make your digital poster then it goes around in china you hope and then maybe indeed after a few years someone will, will come forward and say oh it's funny because she looks like whatever or her name or not name that couldn't be but her birth date looks a lot similar like my daughter and her birthplace looks similar so it was just a very, very big coincidence of luck. And not that I'm unhappy, but I'm just um, saying like an advice to a lot of people. Just try to find your raw emotions first and then um, um, go look. Unless you're over 25 years old. Then I would suggest you would look. Because um, people get old, you know. And if you're a certain age, it means your parents will grow from a very healthy uh, adult to maybe a, a less healthier adult and, and less technical uh, adult. And then 
uh, you will lose some opportunities. So that's my only advice to people who are a little bit older. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a very good point that you bring up because I recently um, started uh, doing a birth uh, search myself because I'm 28 now and it's it's kind of similar for me. I'm realizing that like yeah, my my parents and my birth parents they are not getting any younger, so it's yeah it's kind of it's time to to do that uh now rather than later also with obviously with the with the pandemic that is uh, going on right now yeah terrible it makes it so much harder for so many people everywhere to search to 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 set yourself open i i think a lot of people told me in the beginning like oh my god i i fear so much that my parents uh are not alive anymore and stuff or are very sick and i said well to be honest I think, um, I don't know about your situation, of course. I don't know about any individual situation. But let's let's take a general. A lot of older people will die. So maybe, yes, your grandparent or your um, uh, grand-aunt, I don't know, whatever. Maybe they will suffer from the COVID virus, yes. But I don't think the parents, the healthier parents, like in the fifth, like my parents are 50 years old. So they don't belong in the risk group. And I told a lot of people they shouldn't think like that, like the COVID virus will, will knock out a chance to find your birth parents. The only thing it will do is that you can travel to the country right now. That's terrible. And I feel so much for all the people who are who were so ready to go for a search right now. And even I know some people who have found their parents and haven't met them yet. So that's also so terrible, like so frustrating. You know who they are, but you can't visit them or hug them or, um, yeah, that makes it very frustrating for me to hear for the others. Yeah, definitely. Because also, like, just imagining that maybe for others, uh, it, it has taken many years or a very long time to to finally find them, and then, as you said, it's it, it's not possible. It's kind of like. Oh, you, it's just right in front of you, but you, you can't touch it. And that's yeah. a very sad situation. So um, I also, I just wanted to circle back on, on a thing that you, that you mentioned before. You talked about um, going to group therapy. Um, so I, I had, I had <laughs> some, several questions on that. So like, was this something that you started uh, going after your search or and is it something that is like connected to to your adoption story yeah so actually i'm going to therapy i'm I'm a very open person and i think it's very important that some i don't think that everyone should be open but i'm very open about it because i want to share my stuff and my mental health issues with other people so they can acknowledge that they aren't crazy okay maybe they are crazy because i'm a little crazy too but they aren't crazy crazy like if you're feeling very low if you don't see any light then you may have some mental health issues that need to be like taken care of and i'm just pointing it out that going to therapy going seeking professional help isn't a weird thing like look at me i'm not a weird thing i'm living my life i'm just seeking the help where i need it to uh, continue a very happy life so going back to the point of group therapy yeah so i had a therapist for three years individual and I love her. She's amazing. And we had such a we have such a good connection. But we came to the point where things were spoken. Like 
there wasn't anything more to um, address or to to really like sparkle things like, oh, that's a new thing. Let's talk about that. We managed to get a lot of things out of the way where I had troubles with in my life. But one thing that I have trouble with is, of course, the adoption. But I didn't want to talk about it yet. I wasn't ready for it. But now I'm ready. And um, it's very healthy to switch professionals if you think like you want to start a very new subject to get a new perspective on it from a new person who doesn't know you, who doesn't laugh with you about very serious stuff, you know, like because you know each other and it's fine. But if you have a new person, they don't laugh because when they hear stuff they haven't heard before, then I go like, are you okay? And then you have to figure by yourself, am I okay? Is everything okay? Or is it just me being jokey jokey? Um, But yeah, so... Right now, I'm in in an intake. So is that the same intake, right? Yeah. So um, with a with a very early start of the group therapy. I'm not already in the group therapy, but it will start end of March. And it's especially for adoptees. So it's just a group of, I think, eight people with only adoptee uh, backgrounds. Not from China, but just from all over the world. And I do think it will give me a lot of perspective. It will give me a lot of insights about how other people view adoption, how other people experience it. And it will give me more to go with, like to learn from, I think, I hope. I hope so too. And it's really interesting because um, I also recently started going to to therapy. And for me, it was uh, it was a bit difficult finding someone who's like specialized in adoption. So just hearing this now that it's actually like it's even a group therapy that is uh, like specialized for for adoptees that 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 sounds very interesting uh, to me. Did, did you did you know before that this was something that existed or just No, this is the first group. So I'm I'm the pilot. But I love to be the pilot. I'm okay with being the pilot. That's really cool. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, I I love to to connect and and, and uh, like later on and see how how things are going with the, with the program and because i think yeah. that can definitely have a have a good impact on if 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 that becomes like a bigger thing because i think it's definitely something that uh that is needed in the in the adoptee community yeah i think definitely that that um help is needed like in the netherlands there was no organization or no stuff like for the actual care for the adoptees and maybe i'm hurting some parents right now but because they did do their best to give some things for the adoptees of china but we needed each other we needed a place to feel safe a place to feel understood a place to feel heard but also a place where you can be heard where it's okay to get triggered and then talk it out. I want to point it out. There's a lot of things I hear in the adoptee world. A lot of people triggering each other. So getting very bumped out by each other. And, and getting fights. And getting arguments and stuff. And that's normal. You know why it's normal? Because we don't know how to act any different. We only know our own like ways to ha- feeling triggered. Reacting a certain way. And then the other reacting a certain way because he or she or them feel or they feel triggered. So it's it's a very health like not a healthy, it's a very unhealthy way, but it's a very logical way to for two 
adopted pe persons to interact with each other. Um, I can tell this better in the in, in Dutch, but I will try in English because it's it's the only way you know to cope with certain stuff to not let let people close to you or when people hurt you a certain way. Like I think a lot of adopted people can relate to the fact you don't want to stand out, you don't want to get locked out, and you don't want to feel like an outsider. That's three different things. And even we that we know it's happening to every one of us that we're feeling that way, that certain way, we're still accidentally maybe doing it to each other sometimes. And that makes it like a very easy way to disconnect and to never talk to each other again. Because that's the only way that we know like, uh, well, if you can be in my life, then you won't be in my life, you know? Um, but I think it's just a good way to think about it now. Like if you're having an argument with another adopted person, just think about yourself that if you're triggered, you can act over emotional. You can act not justifiable. You can you can maybe make some things or maybe say some things that are very hurtful for the other, even if you don't mean them hurtful. Because there's a difference between in intention and interpretation. Um, so that's a thing I just want to point it out for other adoptees. Like if you're having an argument with other adoptees, it's completely logical. But just keep to yourself like, oh, yeah, I'm an adopted person too. The other's an adopted person too. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. We're all just human beings with, with a bag. I'm always saying that. We're always... And some, some have a little bag because they had a very good environment and very good people around them. And some have a bigger bag because they have shitty environment. And yeah, it's just how you deal with it. You deal with it later. Uh, now I'm just acknowledging stuff that I'm... I'm sometimes a zero to hundred person and that's not normal. I don't think that's healthy, but it's just happening. So I'm trying to learn from it. I'm trying to acknowledging it like, oh, it's happening again. I can't stop it right now, but I will try to make it less like 80 maybe. Um, and that's progress for me every day to try to make myself a more healthy and adult person. Yeah, definitely. I think... Also, what you said there in the beginning, I think that being an adoptee is a very complex like experience and it's difficult for people on the outside to to get that. And also what, what you just mentioned, that it's also very different, like every experience for adoptees is very different as well. And it's very individual to, to each person. So even if you're in the same room uh, with a lot of adoptees, many have had very different experiences and uh, how they were raised or how they see adoption in general. And because uh, also what I've realized being part of the community that yeah, there's, there's a lot of different opinions uh, inside the community. So I also read that um, you were recently on national television in the, in the Netherlands. Uh, can you, can you tell us more about that? Yes, I would love to talk about that. I will keep it short though. Um, so there is like a documentary maker, Winterlau. He is a very famous one because he always goes to China and puts a very real uh, perspective of China, um, like the the nasty stuff, but also the good stuff. And he he balances he balances balances it out, you know. Um, and a lot of people respect him, like really respect him. A lot of viewers. 
And he speaks Mandarin, by the way. So that's why he's so good at his job. A friend of mine, Leon, she was asked by the documentary maker to get on the sh- get on the uh, series, the documentary series, and because she was in an Asian studies for uh, learning the language, and then she talked about probably like Adopsipedia, and the team of Ruben Law were like, "What is Adopsipedia? What are you doing with them?" And she said, "We're making dumplings." And they said, "Oh, can we join?" And then Leon said, "I have to ask that." And then she, she, she WhatsApp me like, Nikri, is it okay if uh, Ruben Talao's team comes around for dumping day? And I was like, is that okay? Is that okay? Of course that's okay. So I said immediately like, yes, of course. Let them call me. Let them plan something. I'm open to everything. Um, and then they came around and we were on television with, I think, actually a very big part for the adoptees. Um, especially because it was a very last minute item. And yeah, I think it was amazing to just show our faces to the world, not, not to the world, but to the, to the Netherlands world, um, to just show them Chinese adoptees are a thing. We are 6,900 plus big and we, we need to show ourselves to you because we haven't had a good childhood and not because we're adopted, but because a lot of white people thought it funny to make funny faces with a slit eye or say stuff that they thought was funny or maybe even they didn't thought was funny but just pure bullying and um i pointed it out i also pointed it out with my identity crisis i think with a part of uh, where do i belong where, what do i want and and uh, then i told them that i found my parents and that they were looking for me so i hope that also brings a lot of hope for a lot of other people that the parents are definitely looking for children and i think i also talked about a little bit of my upbringing like it's it's very different to be brought up by parents of your own culture and genetics and stuff i think they tried their best my parents to integrate the stuff because we have a lot of chinese things in the house but i had no affection with china because i was bullied so much and because i just i maybe i wasn't introduced right because china is such a fascinating part of the world you know and it's just so weird that you have such a bond with a world with a piece of a world you don't know in the in the first years you haven't been there um your parents don't look alike probably when you're brought up in a very white village there is no one looking like you so it's it's actually like kind of like you're an alien and that's weird because we're not aliens we're just people with a heart and a voice and a mind and yeah, it's just it's just weird when I think about it. Being adopted is because I can't even blame people who are not like who are freaked out by adoption or who don't who don't get it. Because why would they get it? They are brought up by their own parents with uh, a tummy pictures and stuff. It's not weird that they don't know otherwise. I think a lot of people shouldn't judge about the fact that you can't educate yourself in all the things. Like some people love animals, some people love the environment, some people love babies, some people love shoes. I don't know. Like whatever floats your boat, you know? And I understand completely that a lot of people won't um, know about adoption. Like nothing. Why would they? And I can't even blame them if they say things like, I think blood is thicker than whatever. So is your family your real family? Like, I can't even blame them. I feel 
bad for them. Like, I wish I could, like, you can try to educate those people. And if they try to listen, then that's, that's so beautiful. But if they don't try to listen, then, well, I'm going to let that go because why would I put effort in stuff that I know for myself, but it's my own truth. It's not the truth. You know, I'm very philosophical this night. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't, don't apologize. No apologize here. So I, I definitely understand a lot of things that you were saying. And uh, also with this, like being alien and being, being different. And I think that uh, the fact that you were on national television and like educating and uh, people and like showing that, oh, we also, we're also part of the society. We also live here. We are also people um that that's uh that's a very important thing to do uh, definitely and also i think like on that i think w what you mentioned and also what i mentioned on the beginning of uh of this episode that you are the founder and the director of adoptipedia so i think it would be very interesting if you could tell us more like what what is adoptipedia yeah um so Foundation Adoptipedia, uh, in Dutch it's Adoptipedia, is the only foundation for Chinese adoptees living in the Netherlands and Taiwanese adoptees. And we are with a group of 35, maybe right now 37 volunteers who are very passionate to work with me on amazing projects and important stuff like a website with information in Dutch to keep it very low low-key, I think is the word. All the stuff we do is for the Chinese and Taiwanese adoptees. So it's taking care of certain things like mental health issues, racism stuff, identity crises, roots questions, um, China questions, Taiwan questions. It's such an important, like, uh, we have a very certain view that Chinese adoptees and Taiwanese adoptees should be educated as much as we can. They can look for themselves. Is If they're ready, they're ready. If they're not ready, we'll find you later or you'll find us later. That's fine. But for all the persons who are slightly interested or very interested, we will offer a website with a lot of information about all the themes I just mentioned. And we also have like a very interactive Facebook group. And I know I just saw somewhere there are 332 Facebook groups for adoptees of China. I'm getting crazy out of my mind, but okay. So there is like one Dutch Chinese group, only in Dutch, only for adoptees uh, of China and Taiwan. And that's our own uh, Facebook group. Um, then we have, of course, our very popular Instagram that is filled with all of um, all kind of experience stories. Um, and, and we're very, we're very lucky with people sending it in, with people being so open. But I'm also saying always as a side note, I also feel very sad about the fact that so many people are sending it in and so many people are being so open about stuff. Um, because for me, it gives a very urgent matter. Like there was no place for it earlier on. So right now it's the first place to give it a stage. and. As you can see, a lot of people are taking that stage because it's so, they're finding it so overwhelming sometimes to not talk about stuff with others, to not get recognized with others. And um, 
So I'm feeling very grateful that we have that platform for them to feel safe and acknowledged. And uh, we're keeping it very, very, very safe. Like if there's any comment, it has never occurred. But if there's any comment that is not nice or respectful, I will delete it myself in a heartbeat. And I will block that person if it's very nasty. Um, I will give them a warning first and then I will block that person. But it has never occurred luckily because i think a lot of people respect what's going on right there because it's so it's so emotional it's so intense and it's so personal what people are saying but it's also giving a lot of other piece, uh, persons some comfort like oh, oh i'm not the only one i'm not fe- i'm not having a very great bond with my parents but luckily a lot of other adoptees don't have that too and maybe some say like, I do have a great bond. And then you can read another story about a person who does have a great bond with their parents. And the same with siblings. It's it's such an amazing platform to just get a recognition for yourself and um, get recognized by others. Yeah, That's definitely. That's Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Because I, I think it's like maybe like when you as an adoptee when you grow up you kind of like what we mentioned before we feel like uh, like we're very alone in these feelings we're like okay no one else can can relate to this and oh i'm the only one feeling like this and etc cetera, etc cetera. but then actually finding that as you said that it, it is possible to uh, what you're doing that you're giving adoptees a platform to actually share share their stories and um, find a community of others that have gone through uh, a very similar thing uh, that they have done. And I think not only in these times, but in general, also I think it's 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 very important to 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 have something like that to not feel like you're alone in in something very important and big uh, like that. Yeah. I think we're also trying and it's very hard because there are so many, there are so many different categories, you know, like we want to try to give LHBTY plus a stage. We're trying to give complex family situations a place. We're trying to give moms a place. Like there are a lot of moms already who are having a biological child, but are struggling with being adopted and not having their own mother uh, and stuff. So it's difficult because we have to make a lot of, not borders, but you know what I mean. We have to center ourselves like, okay, we are Adopsipedia. We're doing it for all the Chinese and Taiwanese adoptees. What do they need right now? And can we comfort them in what they need? Or can we just um, meet them halfway in what they need? Because, you know, like we're 36, 37 people, but we're still people. And we're not magicians and we're not like um, a higher power. So we just need to do it with ourselves, with our own talents, with our own capacity, with our own energy and time. And that's always what I'm saying to my colleagues. Like, let me start off by, that's by saying again, it's about the three things like energy, motivation and time. If one of them is missing, you shouldn't do your job because then you uh, will not fail, but it will it will fail you because you won't be as pleased as you could be if you have all the three things. And I'm a little bit of a hypocrite because usually I have less energy than I want. But then again, I am very good at forcing myself to make more energy. Otherwise, I wouldn't have come this far. So that's always what I'm telling myself a little bit. With my own experience, I always try to get my my colleagues 
as much in a mental health uh, way as I can. And of course, with my very dear co-founders, uh, I have to mention them because I love them. So Honglin, uh, she's the visual artist and uh, the visual manager. And then we have Simona and Simona is the uh, co-founder um, and, and right now the manager of uh, Adoptiegenootschap. And Adoptiegenootschap is uh, our very special mental health um, expertise piece. So we're very focused on the mental health things. I, I, I think that's important because we're not talking only about the extreme things. We're also talking about the little things like not connecting with friends, not uh, feeling a little bit like not appreciated sometimes or maybe overestimate, overestimating yourself all the time. Uh, we're talking about that stuff. And I think it's very important that we do because the more you talk about it, the more you acknowledge that it's happening or the more that you recognize it with others and you can talk about how you can maybe make it a little bit less hard on yourself with some things yeah for sure um you just mentioned your your co-founders uh, there as well so i wanted to ask on that is like did you know them before or did you just come together for for this thing or so at first it was just an idea in my head and i talked about it with a good friend of my lynn and Lynn and I were sitting on a table. I can remember this day until now because it was so funny. We were sitting on the table. We were talking about this stuff. And I said, I just want a website where you can click on all the clickable links, what's already existing in the information. So I didn't want to make anything new. I just want to make something that I want to uh, grab all the pieces that are hidden everywhere and just put in one place for the, for the Dutch adoptees. And we were talking about the logo. So I put some chopsticks in my hair. I remember this because it was so funny. We laughed so hard. But then Lynn uh, had to go with her study and it was very busy for her. So she had to uh, pull out uh, the team, the two team. Um, and then I just, I think by coincidence, that's how my life goes. By coincidence, I met Hong Lin. And so we're walking towards her house and I suddenly say like, Oh yeah, and I want to do something with uh, for Chinese adoptees uh, with a website or stuff. And she says, "Oh, I I'm actually a, a website designer and I make visual things." And I said, "That's funny. We should talk more about it." And then we just kept on going about it and at the same moment I think around that my other person Simona, who is now a good friend, but right then I didn't know her. She just mentioned to me like I don't even know why she connect, contacted me. Contacted me. I, I can ask that because I don't remember. But she asked me like, oh yeah, I want to make a, an anti-racism uh, stuff about uh, the Chinese adoptees in the Netherlands. Can you help me with a quote and stuff? And I said, yeah, of course. So she sent over some things. I said, oh, I, I love the idea, but I don't think that's a handy plan right now for us. But what do you think about uh, a, an organization or it wasn't an organization yet, but what do you think about something for Chinese adoptees in general? And she said, let's do that. I'm in. And then we just sat in the library, uh, Hong Lin and I, and uh, Simona called in. And we just talked for hours, I think. And we said everything on paper. I think it's a 26 uh, large document right now, still somewhere hanging. Um, and we created the Instagram from that. And then in uh, August, I think, 2020, we made it an official foundation. That's really cool. That's really cool how how that came to be. So how I I think this is personally because I'm going in in uh, in similar thoughts because uh, I'm also like oh why 
why doesn't these things exist, you know? And then it's like, oh, but if it doesn't exist, then let's create it, like, kind of, in a way. Uh, so, 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 what kind of like uh, we don't have to be too technical because so, obviously it's different in every country. But like, what are the are, are there certain requirements that you need to to fill out, like in 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 the Netherlands, for example, to to be a foundation or like organization? Yeah, you do. So you have to go, um, of course, to the KVK. That's a very famous thing in the Netherlands. Uh, I think Dutch people will laugh right now. Um, so. That's only like, I'm going to say the technicals, that's only 50 euros because then you own your own name. But then you also have to go to the notary, notary, the, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, the notary. uh, Notary, yeah. Yeah, So you have to go to the office and then you have to sign a lot of papers and that's cost way more than 50 euros. Um, But we had, uh, we invested our own because we found it, we found, we, we, uh, we acknowledge that it was such an important thing for us. So we, um, yeah, we did that with the, with the three of us and then uh, signed the papers at the not- not- notary, not, the thing, um, the official thing. And um, then after that, there, there's a lot of from slump, of course, but I won't bother you guys with that. Yeah, that's really cool. It, it makes me, I'm like, oh, now I need to look into how, how you can do that in like Germany or in, in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, who, who knows? Yeah, that's, that's really, that's really interesting. So also just a quick, quick question then on that, like, is this, is this something then, uh, like your work at the, at that of the PD, is this something that you do full time or, or do you do something outside? No. So I'm working uh, 28 hours uh, at the Knowledge Center of Child and uh, Youth uh, Psychiatry. And I'm working there as a communication professional and event manager. But it is funny because I'm just going to tell you about it. In my early days, I really wanted to start my own company. But I was so fearful because what if the risk were too high? What if I lose all my money, you know? And what if it wasn't a success? And of course, a little bit of perfectionism has a big part of that. But um, yeah, I wanted to make it great or not. You know, like there was no in between. Uh, so it's so funny because now, right now, I I, cho- I chose a nonprofit to create that and to put even money in it of my own and not even bothering if I ever going to get it back. You know, like I was just so invested with my love and with my passion and with my motivation in everything. And I think it's amazing that I finally, I finally have um, something of my own right now that I can say, I'm so proud of what we do. I'm so proud of all the people who are working there. I'm so proud of all the people who are involved with Adopsipedia, who are talking about their stuff, even if, it's a, even if it's a little bit, even if you only like stuff, even if you only read stuff. It's so amazing that people are setting their hearts open to certain emotions um and i'm just so happy because in my early early days i always said like i want to work with children and youth and stuff and now i understand i didn't need to work with children in general i needed to work with children the inner child and a lot of adopted persons that's what i needed to work with that's really wow that's really beautifully put uh, i love it. oh wow I, I love the way the way you put that I think 
also something on that. Uh, I it's something that I, I heard you mentioning in a different uh, in a different context. I think it was on your on your Instagram. Um, that you mentioned that you think, uh, or and and let me know if 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 uh, I don't remember it correctly, but uh, that you think um, that adoptive parents that even though their child might not be very interested in their uh, birth culture, that they kind of should at least like give the opportunity uh, to their child to kind of find out uh, more about this, and I think it kind of. For me, how I see your uh, your organization and your foundation, that it kind of, in a way, it has all this information about uh, about adoption and everything. That it is a way for adoptees once they are ready to to find out more about it, they can just go there and like do it on their own time. And when when they're ready, it's it's nothing that is like uh, shoved down their throats or like oh you you need to find this out. It's it's something that they can do when they feel that they are ready to to find out more. Yeah, so it's funny because I just talked about it with a good uh, friend of my mother uh, when I was on a hike. And we talked about the different parents there are, like the adoptive parents there are. Like there's a part of the adoptive parents who are very eager to look for their child's birth parents. I'm not actually very fond of that because you're giving your child no choice anymore. when they're like six years old and you're asking them, do you want to meet your parents just to investigate? Maybe you've already found his parents. And the child goes like, yeah, he doesn't know yet. He's too young. But if, if he says no, you don't know the real reason behind the no because it's not he's not old enough yet. So it's actually what I've heard a lot of uh, young people say to me if their parents had searched for their biological parents. But they find it very hard because there was no choice for themselves, for themselves. And of course, I understand all the risks and stuff. Like you can better search for them when you were when they were young, you know. Like when then you already have them in your pocket. Of course, I understand all the arguments, and of course, I understand all the things. But it's still it's a journey you're doing for yourself and not for your child because <laughs> sorry because your child <laughs> I'm go I need to go to bed um, because your child is like so young it it has no decision yet so what i'm what i'm talking about in my in my in my reels and in my stuff i'm saying like just give your child some opportunity to learn from roots mental health uh, and other stuff like you you shouldn't shove it in their faces but just give them an opportunity i was just thinking about it when you were talking right now like um you need to maybe balance it out on a scale of the child having to interact with it because if your child has an interaction with his own roots like seven times a week because it's bullied a lot or stuff then you should interact the roots seven times a week too because otherwise it is such a big difference they're getting confronting confronted about it but they have no clue what's it what it's about Unless you tell them about it, then you have seven times that they get confronted about it and seven times that they learn about it and seven times that they can maybe say back, yeah, you can say this or that, but I know better now. Maybe it helps. I'm not sure if it does, but in my head, it's a very logical thing that if they get confronted about it, if they look in the mirror like three times a week to themselves like, oh, I look different. You should maybe three times a week talk to them about it. Hey, I saw you looking at the mirror. 
Do you want to see some Chinese movies? Do you want to get some, grab some food, Chinese food? You want to make some Chinese food with me? Just keep it very low and very simple. And if the child comes to you with more questions, then of course, that's totally fine. But I think definitely parents shouldn't over project their own needs on their children. And I think that also not acknowledging the roots and cultural stuff is also a very bad thing to do because your child doesn't know better. Yeah, exactly. Because like most are, um, or like especially transracial and transnational adoptees, they are raised in a in a very different like culture from from their birth culture. So everything is very, yeah. They don't even know when when they're young probably about their like original birth culture. No, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to keep you too long. It's been a very uh, interesting discussion we have here, and I, I I could talk to you about it for for a very long time, uh, but uh, I need to be uh, mindful of of our time here. So uh, to kind of wrap things up, I would like to have a, a quick round of rapid fire questions. So okay. uh, love it. Yeah, let's go. So the first one is fill in the blank. Being an adoptee is hard. Name one thing you can do to be active or engaged in the adoptee community. Read. What's the first thing you do in the morning? Watch my phone. I feel so guilty now. <laughs> oh, I heard you shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what's your favorite dish from your culture? Ooh, it's a noodle thingy with a lot of oil. It's so beautiful with egg and carrot. I don't know how it calls, but it's so lovely. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. Uh, what's a book that you really love? It's a Dutch book right now, and it's called The Silent Patient. And finally, what advice would you like to give to young adoptees? I always say, and I will keep saying it, it's completely normal what you feel. If you feel totally happy, then you're in that stage. And if you're feeling totally sad, then you're in that stage. And there will come a stage maybe where you will reach for more, reach for more information, reach for more recognition. And if that time comes, just know that there are places to look and places to listen and places to read and places to meet. Um, and I think in general, the adopted, the Chinese adopted people are very lovely and very open and have so much to offer. Not only advice, because who wants unwanted advice, but um, a lot of experiences and a lot of jokes. We're very funny people, I think, because we have to learn with dealing with the hard stuff. We know how to laugh about the hard stuff sometimes. I think that's a very good quality quality of uh, the Chinese adoptees. And um, when you're ready, you're ready. And you will know it. You will feel it. But just give in to it at a certain point. Don't push it away. Don't turn your back on it. Because you are so welcome. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, where can people connect with you? And where can people find out more about Adoptopedia? Okay, so if you're Dutch, dan kun je ons vinden op uh, Adoptopedia of via ons website www.adoptopedia.nl. And if you're English, you can find me uh, at my name is Liefang and I am 
welcoming you with open arms. Thank you very much, Ifang, for having this discussion with me today. Thank you so much for the very beautiful questions and your beautiful voice. Oh, I'm blushing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. If you are interested in participating in our T-series or want to be part of our regular episodes, email us at somewhere.between.podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to join our Instagram family at somewherebetween.fam to stay connected with updates, casting calls, and more. See you guys next time and stay engaged. <laughs>